Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Is it season five? Season four. Season four of Ozark. It's one of those, uh, so, many, uh, so many prestige TV shows do this now. And it really started with The Sopranos, who had a sixth season that was split into two parts, their final season. It's season four, but season four, part one and two. So it's a supersized long season How many total? that's split into two short seasons. How many total? I think it's 16 episodes. I want to say it's eight and eight, or may, maybe even less than that. Eight is not enough, for, even for a half season. Well, it's, it, it may be, you may be even more mad at that, Paul, because I think maybe six and six oh, that's definitely and 12. Insufficient. Either way, it's two, and it, it, there's still no date. The teaser's great. It, uh, for those that watch Ozark, picks right back up from the crazy conclusion of season three. But it says parts one and parts two coming in 2022. So you're not going to wait a year after the next one's released. So it's going to be one early in the year, one probably in the fall. Billions wound up doing that, but it was forced by COVID. So it kind of po- forced a production pause. Well, so billions, though, their, their season finale is next week. How long is the break until they launch the new season that's already Shouldn't done? Shouldn't be that long. I'd love for them to start the next week. Wouldn't that be revolutionary well, you know take just a roll weeks. right in. hey guys we're done with it let's just keep the audience going and start it right back the next week with the next season yeah the pauses between seasons are entirely too long that's one of the downsides of this new what would the way tv works uh, also now. what's cr- the reason for not announcing the date netflix is very fun. mysterious about everything they never release streaming numbers they never show you that they'll show you trending what's trending but they never give you exact numbers i don't care on anything they don't like to give you the date until the last possible minute, you know, maybe a month out for when uh, things have dropped. I don't think we know when the next Stranger Things is even going to happen. It's just going to happen sometime next year. I do believe the numbers numbers are less relevant. Uh, And I say this as somebody that runs a a niche website, right? People want to know my numbers. Well, uh, people would think my numbers are poor, but it's not really about the numbers. It's about the intensity of the people who are, are members of my site. And I think it's the same. Like, we know Ozark is intensely popular for the people who watch Ozark, but the numbers might not be great. But the people who are watching Ozark are totally in to Ozark and have an extreme passion for Ozark. But the way you measure it compared to the way you measure Dallas when it was who shot JR is a completely different thing than it used to be. And so I can understand not sharing them. It's also about cost. I'm assuming Ozark, I mean, they probably do it on a pretty relatively low budget where they shoot. And I think they shoot in North Georgia, actually. Yeah. But um, and the cast I, and everything else is probably pretty pricey. Yeah. So yeah. those are more yeah. difficult to justify. What Netflix is doing now is going out and buying big international shows that have done well. They dub over it in English or do it in subtitles. That's a lot cheaper. It's IP that already exists. You can go buy it from another their, country. Percentage of their... Put it on Netflix, and it gets a, a huge audience on Netflix globally. The Squid Game phenomenon is the latest one to do night. this. Question for you guys. And that person comes over to watch that, and then they find Ozark. Yeah. And they become a DVD. Well, yeah. Question for you guys uh, while we're talking TV. Paul Giamatti lost like 30 or 40 pounds during COVID and shaved his beard. So when the season ended for Billions, this was not a season break. It was a COVID break. They went to COVID. He started eating better and working out. Eight episodes He looks like a different different human being. 
in the same character. Do you just blow past that? Or do you have some explanation? Because they're picking right up mid-season where they're shooting Well, they made an issue of the beard. They made an issue of the beard. So they acknowledged a physical change in him to some Someone said something about you're wasting away or something to him also about his weight change. Yeah, so they did acknowledge it, but they didn't acknowledge like, they didn't make it part of the story, like that he was on a diet or anything. There's also a very weird I, scene I like where he one cooked, or two uh, like little bitty uh, in-joke mentions about it. Like when there's a new cast member that's playing the same person. Like don't just throw that in there and then not address it. Like at least have a joke about it or something. And I think Billions did maybe one of those. Billions is close to jumping the shark for me. I'm not, it's I'm still not, bingeable, right? I, yes. Oh, definitely. I don't want to give any spoilers out on the last episode, but the conclusion of the last episode now leading into the season finale has me more interested now Back. because it's actually a change. Right. I'm ready for succession, but I fear succession will get close. to. I don't think succession could screw it up. I, I think the, because... There's mystery. Because I'm, also it's comedy writing. It's the creator of Veep that's behind it and Adam McKay, who's a comedy writer, but... I think when you have comedic writers writing drama and comedy like that, they just don't screw it up. And that the cast is so perfect, it's almost an impossible show to screw up. I, I Speaking of another show, Only Murders in the Building with Steve Martin and, and uh, Marty Short, who then I heard on Howard Stern together, and these guys together are just so fantastic. And I saw that they're coming here and they're doing a two-man show at the Grand Old Opry, which I would have gone to see in a second, and it's on a Sunday night. It's on a Sunday night at 7, like when the Titans are home. Which you, can, well, hey, I, I can never Mike Vrabel can get out of there to go watch his son <laughs> pitch at 7. He's the head coach of the NFL team. You can get out of there to his, go his watch. His work day's done does. when the game is over. My work day starts <laughs> when the game is over in a lot of ways. Hit us up on Twitter, at Outkick360. Richard Sherman is a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, free agent signing. Uh, says he first heard about the Bucs uh, and their interest there were three teams that, that were interested in Sherman, according to Sherman. The two teams who know him. Uh, Carolina and Seattle, and then Tampa. Oh, I heard San Francisco in there, too, but he, he did a podcast. He knows okay. better than I. But the reports out there were didn't mention Carolina, and they mentioned Seattle and San Francisco. So Carolina was a new entrant. Um, but it was Brady who first reached out to Sherman to ask, hey, are you in shape? That was, that was the first thing. And, then, and he's apparently in great shape. Yeah, and then Brady, I guess, relayed that information, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers came calling. Well, what a system they have going. I mean, if you're a veteran. Now, now, look, you got a guy that just had a breakdown, for lack of a better word. Yeah. He's coming into a team where Antonio Brown uh, did some vile things that have been glossed over in discussions about the team. No um, doubt. But they're okay with these things. And Richard Sherman – I'm pretty sure can still defend the sideline really well. And they've had some injuries and stuff, and they need somebody that can defend the sideline really well. And their determination is to go win the Super Bowl, and they're going to take a guy who they feel quickly rehabilitated himself, is in good shape, and can defend the sideline. Paul, I laugh when you say what a system they have uh, in Tampa because the system is no one is ever going to ghost Tom Brady, the GOAT. Yep. He can text anyone. And they're going to listen, and they're going to want to play with him. There's the old story about Tiger Woods when he was shy around the ladies going out in Vegas with Michael Jordan, and Tiger going up to Michael and say, what do I say to this woman I want to approach? And he said, say, hi, I'm Tiger yeah. Woods. When you send a text and you're Tom Brady, and you say, hey, it's Tom Brady. Want to come work out with my football team? 
The answer is always yes. Oh, there's no question about I mean, that. But that's an amazing – no one else can, can tout that, right? Aaron Rodgers claimed – I need more credit for people we bring in because people want to come play with me, not the Green Bay Packers. They're not coming here for Green Bay. Offensive guys are coming here to catch passes from Aaron Rodgers. Well, the same can be said for Tom Brady. Well, this, is a case, this isn't a case where all 32 teams wanted Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman, uh, you know, we don't know how serious Seattle and Carolina were. This is the yeah, boss Sherman reaching out it. saying, hey, come play with us. He didn't necessarily have a lot of other options. Well, and Sherman admitted, he goes, this, this is going to be, I'm paraphrasing, he said, um, a lot of people are going to link me with the defending, the reigning Super Bowl champions and say, oh, I'm going with the winner. He goes, I do get to help the winner win more, but they also presented me with the best offer. So, I well, mean, and, and there the are other teams know, that need cornerback help who weren't looking at it. Well, right. Why is Antonio Brown in Tampa? Same, right. same reason. And that's, yeah. why, that's why I think Tampa's okay with it. And he didn't have elsewhere either. You know, and Sherman is not Antonio Brown by, uh, by no. any stretch of the imagination. No, Antonio here. Brown has a lot but worse resume. It is, it is, uh, it, it's saying something when you have these – I mean, and, and some of these wide receivers admit it. They're, they're divas, right? And then they, they get with Tom Brady, and they – maybe, they, maybe it's wrong to say they, they get in line, but you don't hear a peep out of them. No. And they're not afraid of age either, right? And that, that's one the of the beautiful way. things. A lot of fans say, well, why wouldn't you go get Richard Sherman while these teams say, well, we're going to bring up our young guy and go with our, our you know, mid-round draft pick who we're counting on to develop. And fans are driven crazy by that. Like, why wouldn't you go out and get the veteran guy who, if he's okay now and, and everything? And the Bucs are a team that's doing what most of the league never does. Most of the league lets that guy go, and they say, we're moving on from that. Yeah. That guy. The whole league moves on from that guy. I did you know, see. Guys out of the league for a couple months, he disappears, becomes persona non grata pretty quickly. There was a cutaway to the sideline on Sunday in that Rams game with, with Tampa where Mike Evans was throwing a hissy fit with his position coach and the receivers after Tom Brady threw the ball out of bounds on a play where he thought he was open and they ended up settling for a field goal. And it jumps out to me because what Hutton's Rare. saying, those guys fall in line. Those diva receivers that want the ball at all times, they fall in line with Tom Brady. That's one of the first times I can remember. Even He wasn't doing it to Brady. He's not going to go up to Brady and yell, but he was slamming his helmet, and guys were having to calm him down. And he was Now, we don't know what he's saying well, he's no or what's diva. going on, he, he but he's, a... he's getting really animated and upset. But it made me think, boy, you don't see that much with Brady. You know, Taylor Lewan wants to be called dad, and there are fans that will call him that. Tom Brady's literally the dad <laughs> of that offense. You don't, you don't talk back to dad. But Mike, How many times have you – I mean, when's the last time you can remember a receiver going up to Brady on the sideline and shouting anything? I, I remember the – it was the behind-the-scenes NFL films footage of Peyton Manning and Jeff Saturday getting into a fight on the sideline. And I'm thinking, how many – I don't remember many receivers yelling at Peyton Manning either. you got to have But especially Tom Brady, they're not yelling at him. But that was an offensive lineman. That was his best friend. Right. That they could – they had a brother-like relationship where they could get in each other's face. But there were no receivers doing that to Peyton Manning. If that's the case, they're especially not doing it with Tom Brady. Well, the reason it works so well for Peyton Manning is because Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne are on the same page with him, and there's not much to fight about. And the same thing now with Brady and these guys. Mike Evans is no diva receiver. He's mentioning Antonio Brown because Antonio Brown was very much a diva receiver, and he's completely changed his behavior now. Because Also because, I think, when he came in, they basically said, mess up and you're gone. Like, we're bringing you in. You can help yeah, us win. Course, but if you but, mess up, you're out of here. But it, and he's rare, finally come to his senses. It's rare you get as many opportunities. Like, he, he, he talked his way and acted his way out of Pittsburgh. 
Like they got rid of him and Le'Veon Bell, right? Um, and think about what they could have done there. Yeah. With with Big Ben trying to win one more, and we clearly know he's aged out. We'll get to that a later this week. A ton of talent there. Um, right. And what they what they could have done and what they didn't achieve. Antonio Brown is traded to Oakland during the hard knocks where it's just bizarre, like the whole aspect of it. The foot. He's cut. And then, you know, all the off-the-field issues. And then he ends up in Tampa, and people are like, well, the Bucks are crazy. This isn't going to work. And just – I mean, it's like clockwork, though. When you add these vets who have had issues, and it doesn't have to be major issues, just issues on previous teams, you drop them into the – it used to be called the Patriots way, right? It's and the, now it's the Tom Brady it's way. It's the Brady way. It's the, yeah, and he, he puts you in the right position to win. I mean, we haven't even heard about Antonio Brown's off-field issues since he went there. No. And, and not just that others have much. cropped up. I mean, I have not seen reports about – allegations or lawsuits or anything since he's been with Tampa. And, and not much with Richard Sherman new. in the news cycle this go-around Nothing either. new. And the broadcasters broadcasting those games gloss over the old stuff. They're all about, you well, know. The, the, the cycle I think that's now, an NFL mandate. The cycle now is um, Sherman's joining the worst secondary by numbers in the NFL right now. They have allowed more passing yards than any defense. Yeah, they're a slug-it-out team. And they for, lost for the right bunting, the, one of their starters, a couple of weeks ago. So, Or maybe it was last week. Um, anyway, that, they, they go out and get Sherman, and now they head to Foxborough. Take on Belichick. Neither Belichick or Brady are really discussing the reminiscing. Re, they're discussing. They're not reminiscing over the last 20 years. But details coming out about how Belichick would, would refuse to meet with, with Brady in person when things ended tells you what they thought of each other towards the end, uh, regardless of what Robert Kraft tried to achieve in keeping everybody together. We'll, we'll discuss the matchup and the magnitude of the game coming up. Six Titans didn't practice, four were limited, and uh, Julio Jones, one of those, officially did not practice. The body part? Hamstring. Hamstring. Mm. Couldn't say that Sunday when he suffered the hamstring issue, but they say it today. Need to get a stretching coach. Yeah. Well, what did Jeff Fisher say? Yeah, soft tissue Jeff Fisher the other night told me, he's like, look, this is the week where soft tissue injuries are going to occur across the league. You don't manage them properly during practice and then going into the game. He said that it's because the lack of the preseason and no, and last year, the lack of the preseason – this year, the lack of the preseason for guys who just didn't play. Teams opting not to even play their starters and barely practicing for that matter. And it, it hit the Titans where they cannot afford to lose production the most right now. They're top-end wide receivers, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. We'll discuss that and more this hour, uh, plus discuss uh, Brady return to Foxborough and our thoughts on the matchup and how glued we'll be to the TV on Sunday night. That's all straight ahead on OutKick 360. Fox Sports Shoals in Florence, Alabama, Muscle Shoals, Huntsville. We say hello to the crew down there, Chuck Hammer, Nick Martin. Love you guys. Appreciate you. Also, the Hammer. Fox Sports Knoxville. You always remember your first. They're our first. Our first we affiliate. We will never forget. We will uh, start to dedicate a song to our first in Knoxville. At <laughs> Is some that what point you do? Show. <laughs> Every night when I get in my car, I'd, <laughs> I go to Amazon Music. Amazon. I, have, I have the unlimited plan. And I pick a different love song to remember the first. More stations coming. Just you wait. More stations coming to the Outkick Network, which includes the podcast network wherever you download your podcast. Just search out Outkick 360. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can go back and watch portions of the show, the entire show. 
Also, follow us on Twitter for the live stream at OutKick360. Bad timing for me, by the way. I put in a cough drop right before we we're coming back, thinking I had enough time. So if you see me, you if you're down. watching the stream, listening, I, I, I hope you don't it. hear it. But if you see me and I'm, I'm just vigorously sucking down this cough drop, you'll know what I'm doing. I'm trying to get rid of this quickly as we talk about this, this game. Brady and the Bucks headed to Foxborough. Uh, Brady was, was cool. In the, I mean, he, he handled it like you would expect. Uh, he said, he, look, he said, guys, I'm not going to reminisce over the last 20 years in one press conference here. Now is not the time to do that. There will be a time and place for all of it. Uh, and, and he actually said this with his uh, podcast with Jim Gray, um, the Let's Go podcast. He said, um, a ton of respect for Belichick. Belichick said the same. But in, in typical Brady fashion, he's like, look, we, I'm more concerned with going on the road and beating a quality opponent, and it's all about the next week. It's not about the last 20 years. But pregame and the hype and kickoff and when he breaks the record for the most passing yards in NFL history and he tops Drew Brees, who's going to be a part of this broadcast with NBC now, um, it is going to be about the last 20 years and the, the history that those two had together and what Brady has gone on to do in Tampa. This is going to be a drama-packed, intense game that I don't think you can overhype um, when you discuss the legacy of the game and the history of the iconic figures of the National Football League and the two of them against each other after winning all those titles together. I mean, th- this, is, this is big business on Sunday night. At Gillette Stadium, he traditionally came out and ran a sprint. Yeah, I would. I don't know oh, that do he's it. been doing that, but I would expect that Gillette Stadium <laughs> he will come out and run a sprint on the opposite side. You know what line. he doesn't do in that sprint? Pull his hamstring. I expect. <laughs> I expect he'll be greeted <clears throat> very warmly. Yeah. I, oh, I, I, oh yeah. I, uh, Peter King's column. He kind of went all over New England and asked about their feelings for him. And the harshest thing he got was like, "Hey, he's a buck now, and I'm all about the Patriots," you know, which was not harsh at all. Um, I think he'll be greeted incredibly warmly. McLean said that he didn't expect that they would stop the game when he gets the 68 yards to become the all-time leading passer. They I, absolutely I feel, will. I feel like they will. I feel like they should. I yeah, don't think I, it'll be a grand ceremony, but I think they'll I take think, a moment uh, to, to give him the ball and acknowledge it on the scoreboard, and I think there'll be a warm reception then. I think there's also – you may disagree. I think there's also some gamesmanship in stopping the game and playing up to the, the feelings of it. You distract him for a bit, and it's hard to get him out of his moment and his element. If you pause the game, if you're the Patriots, and I don't know if the Patriots can decide to pause it as much as the NFL. I don't know. That's your stadium. You can stop the game for, for, for something. I, well, I th- the I Titans can't can. even have a halftime that's longer than 12 minutes if they're honoring Bum Phillips. So, I don't – I mean, they can, they can graciously be granted an extra minute. They could have a 13-minute halftime. That has happened before. Um but it's not like they extend halftime for any great reason, yeah. right? So I, I don't know the answer to if they stopped again. They did it for Breeze. They gave the football to him. He waved, right? Like that, that was a home game. That, that was a home game. game. But I, I think it is a it's a first of all, it's a good gesture from an organization that owes Brady, and quite frankly, Brady owes the organization. There's a lot of back and forth uh, it, across the media about what Brady owes the Patriots after he's paid them back you know, with all the championships, and, and that's fine. But he doesn't know that Bel- Belichick, I mean, here's why he owes them. Belichick found him. Belichick gave him the opportunity. 
You don't, the, the old adage was, especially in the era with Bledsoe, the adage was you do not lose your job to injury. And Bledsoe did. They gave it to the sixth-round rookie. I think once you take off, I mean, there's an exception to every rule, and they took off, and, and Belichick made that decision. I mean, I think they're all square. He gave them 20 years. They're, they're all no, square, no, they no doubt. They, but they do owe each other. Absolutely. Yeah, certainly, they're indebted to each other. And, and I'm I, talking about the personal relationship here because they, they clearly haven't talked. But there, there is a mutual respect, as you would expect. And they do owe each other. Brady, Brady owes it to Belichick forever that he found him and gave him the opportunity and didn't give it back to the veteran yes. who had been there and done that, because especially in the, the role that he was in after what took place. Uh, and, again, and again, he made the right call. The they should have done that. But it set up what we've seen with the whole crazy storyline of Brady's and career. And years from now, they'll be friendly again. We've seen this on a, on a, a smaller level with Mike Vrabel, who was traded away from New England. He was a key player on that team, and he said – he and Belichick didn't talk for several years after that. I think he may not have talked to, to Belichick until he was contemplating the offer to go to Houston to be an assistant coach when he called him for some advice. Out of the blue, after not having talked to him, he's pissed at him when he got traded, pissed at an ugly ending, like most players right, are at right. the end of a thing. And while he was a coach that made him and gave him his opportunity, he was a special teamer in Pittsburgh – and then he won three rings as a key defensive player on that team and caught a bunch of touchdown passes playing offense and all of that. But it ends ugly for everybody, and there are hard feelings. And then what happens? Like in most relationships, time passes, there's some distance, and you come to appreciate each other in a, uh, af yeah. after all of that. And, 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 and that will happen. Yes. You know, I mean, Absolutely. Every time you see Belichick get distance from the season where he goes into NFL Film Studio and starts talking the history of the game, he lights up. He's yeah. a different person. Eventually, when he's not inside of it, and by it, I mean an NFL organization competing and coaching a franchise and running a franchise, at some point, he's going to be just fine when he can stay, take a step away from it. And Hutton, you're right. I'm not saying that Tom Brady was never going to be a great quarterback if it wasn't for Bill Belichick in the NFL, but there is an alternate timeline where Drew Bledsoe comes back healthy, they reinsert, they, you go with the old adage, you're going to bring back the guy you're paying to be the starting quarterback when he's healthy. Tom Brady steps out. Patriots go to the AFC Championship game that year and lose a close one. And then Drew Bledsoe comes back, and he's the starting quarterback the next year. And Tom Brady is sitting, and then eventually Tom Brady's traded, and he's not with that organization. Now, he's Tom Brady. He's going to go somewhere else and start and have a great Hall of Fame career. But he's not winning the titles without that situation yeah. set up in New England with Belichick. And that's the give and take that I think we're talking about with those two yeah, and guys and how comes, their legacies are intertwined. By no means am I saying that uh, he comes back and kisses the rings of Bill Belichick, right? I'm not saying that whatsoever. But they, there's a lot of discussion about who owes who what. They owe each other. Um, and, and eventually there will be a 30 for 30, just like we had the two Bills. They will sit down and do something um, that will go throughout this 20-year career. This is certainly not the week. But keep in mind here, I, I'm intrigued by the production aspect of this game, not from NBC, but from New England. They have, they have known this game is on the horizon for a long time. Yes. They have had time to prepare for this. And I do think there is an element of, um, instead of pissing the guy off by turning your back to him and acting like there's no record to be set and he's not the all-time great that's now back playing against you, I think you lean into it a bit and you treat him like the king has returned. 
Not, I, not to that extent, yeah, but yeah. more so than just it's, saying, it's oh, it's just another game. It's a moment. I also think you were touching on it. People are hell-bent on determining uh, you know, who deserves more credit for the 20 years. And, look, you, you can do all the calculations you want there. Right now, it certainly appears Brady, but I think oh, yeah. you need more time to judge the Belichick end of it. But the fact of the matter is none of it happens without both of them. Exactly. Right. So you can you can put percentages on it, but they were both absolutely necessary to what happened there. And there'll be a day after Belichick retires and after Brady's not playing where they're standing on that field together where their names go into whatever ring of honor type thing that they have automatically, where they're at each other's Hall of Fame ceremonies, uh, you know. I don't know who's uh, what role they play in inducting each other, but they're both standing there, uh, one in a gold jacket at the induction of the other if they're not in the same class, uh, and, and there's no doubt about their role for each other. We've been gushing about this game, been the, the sentimentality enough. Can I be evil for a second about this game? It's going to be a blowout. Not, not that. We're just coming off the Manning brothers joking about, you know, talking to their teammates in the shower when they were playing the Patriots because they thought that Belichick would have them bugged from a competitive standpoint in this game and from a game management standpoint that Hutton asked the question about with Foxborough and the Patriots, do as much as possible. If you want to throw Brady off his game, it's going to do a lot more to bring the emotions back as much. Stop the game. Honor him at every turn. Get him, get him off of his normal routine. From a Videos competitive standpoint, and, yeah. Videos, I want him crying on the field. I want, <laughs> I mean, I want, to, I want to set aside a 10-minute standing ovation before the game where he's out there warming up and he's welling up with emotion because the New England well, crowd is, is applauding him the whole time. If I'm going against Tom Brady, I want this to be unlike a normal regular season game with his routine. I want to make it as special as possible, not just because that organization owes it to Tom Brady, which they do, also, because if you're Bill Belichick, I'm thinking, you know, that's not bad from a competitive standpoint to do things that aren't normal for Brady and get him off of his normal emotion for a game with the crowd and the game presentation. It's a seven-point spread. I think Tampa Bay wins this game big. I think so, too. Um, I'll also play into this some, uh, and I don't think you'll hear this very much this week, but I, I think long-term in terms of games like this, um, and the, the history of the league. There will be NFL films. There will be all kinds of coverage behind the scenes of this game, much like it won't be to the same magnitude of a Super Bowl. But whenever you're watching the football life of Brady and they have this return, they will have both sidelines mic'd up, and you're going to have a lot of conversation from the Patriots' sideline and all this. These guys are not idiots. Belichick knows that whatever he says while he's mic'd up for this 24-hour period or whatever it might be, because he's a huge fan of NFL films and the history of the league. Um, he, I, I, he knows how to handle this the right way, and he will. I think he'll, he'll do it with a, a, a class act, as a class act should, and Brady will be the same way, even though I don't get the sense they've talked. Even before he left, I don't get the sense they've talked. No, he talked to Kraft, not to, not to Bill. He said Belichick refused like to meet him in person. Yeah, wanted a phone call. I, I, that sounds very familiar. That's weird. But look, it's always weird at well, the at end. at the end, right. It's, it it's always weird is. at the end. It there are very is. few things that are not weird at the end. Just the way it rolls. Um, you say double digits 
for this yeah. game. But yeah, I think I mean I think Tampa Bay is significantly better, and they're coming off a loss that uh, that eats at them. And New well, England's and they, not very good. They they're not. They've got the rookie quarterback. They've got issues now with McDaniel's. Paul, you James were telling White's me about out. James White is out for the season. Um, so yeah, it's it's not a great scenario. Uh, although there is uh, some discussion about Marlon Mack and uh, his he trade availability, cheat. that wouldn't affect them this week. Uh, but the the Colts apparently have Mack on the trade on the block. trade. It's block. weird because they re-signed him to a one-year deal, and they knew that they had Taylor and Hines. So yeah. it seems a little weird. They're mutually agreed to try to shop him, I guess. But I don't know that people are knocking down the door to, to get Marlon Mack. And what do you trade? Oh, I don't know about that. I, I mean, consider who's running back needy right now, and and playoff hopeful. Carolina Panthers come to mind with uh, McCaffrey but now. They've out got two again. backups they like. He'd be third there. Well, not which necessarily. He's third now. Oh, he's third now, but again, like you, you're. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at teams who are one injury away from being screwed, and they were two, right? So now you you have to mix in, and you need a guy who can, who has been there, done that. Although, with the depth that they have in Indy and drafting Taylor, Mac hasn't been much of a fantasy football player at all. He's not he's putting also been up massive hurt. numbers. Yeah, and he's also been injured. But Baltimore's made a bunch of moves already. Baltimore has made their moves, and they still are very efficient in the run game. But New England came to mind. San Francisco came to mind as an offense he would fit well. And then, um, and then New England. Yeah, New England, I don't know what they have on their, their practice squad or, or how they line things up. Be interesting. Uh, you know, that this has come out that he's on the market. So, you haven't heard anything about any nibbles yet. Trade no. deadline's not till, I hear November 2nd? That sounds late. Not October 2nd, though. Yeah, it's like around week 10 or something. It's a long way off. Paul, give us the injury report for the Titans. We mentioned that going to break. What What's the latest with Julio Jones and A.J. Brown? Because that will affect several uh, fantasy teams, not just here in Nashville. Um, with, with, I mean, some of us have those two on our fantasy teams with the Outkick 360 League. It's going to affect people across the, the listening audience. Neither practiced. A.J. Brown, hamstring, did not practice. Julio Jones, hamstring, did not practice. I will point out Julio Jones went from not injured on Sunday to tight was what was going on on Sunday in the evaluation on Monday to uh, we're going to see what all the receivers do today, and then we'll let you know with an injury report when we talked to Mike Vrabel earlier today who did not practice with a hamstring injury today. Mike Vrabel doesn't talk tomorrow. Mike Vrabel goes from talking before practice on Wednesday to there's a Wednesday practice, a Thursday practice, and then he talks Friday after practice. So he talks before the first practice and after the last practice of the week. So I don't know why the Titans have played this the way they've played it, but if you want it to be a non-story, you say, well, Julio Jones hurt his hamstring on, on Sunday. You report it during the game, which the rules require, and that could be it. You could never speak of it again. But now he's going to face questions on it still Friday about what happened in Sunday's game. PR-wise, that's a total misplay it's if you weird. want to it's minimize very the story. Weird. I, I still it's very weird. I still don't think, Chad, it's – I don't understand uh, the motivation behind it is why it's weird. Watching, watching Julio serve lobby to get back in the game, I don't think it's a major issue. It's not like A.J. Brown, who they just shut down and put him back in street clothes at halftime. Um, but, but, guys, I – I mean, th this is clearly a let's not risk anything with him to make sure we have him for the long haul. Because when he's active, he's producing. He did that last year in Atlanta. He was hurt. He played in seven games or whatever. But when he was playing, he produced. And he, 
here he's been doing the same thing. It's going to be a very popular thing with fans. Shut them down. It's just the Jets, which we all say, listen, the Titans are completely capable as a franchise, and, and lots of teams are, at, at losing a stupid game. They lost to Cincinnati last year. I don't think this, te- this team's really good. But I don't think you can just say, oh, just take A.J. Brown and Julio Jones and put them on the shelf and go up to New York well, and run Derrick Henry and you'll be fine. you're doing the same with A.J. Brown. Right. And you're taking your yeah. top two receivers take off. Now, both with hamstring yeah, Go beat them with uh, NWI. Yeah, that's, that's a little risky. So those two were out. Uh, so it's a really who's who here. Bud Dupree, knee, did not practice. Caleb Farley, shoulder, still not back to practice. Taylor Lewan, toe, did not practice. Lorel Murchison, the defensive lineman, elbow, did not practice. Limited, Christian Fulton with an ankle. Brett Kern, right groin, that would be a disaster. Roger Saffold, shoulder limited. Tier Tart, shoulder limited. Jayon Brown with a hamstring, full participant. Anthony Ferkser, knee, full participant. That's big. If he were to reemerge, he could pick up some of the Julio and Jones uh, and uh, A.J. Brown's slack. Don't overreact to the injury report today. Brable, the one thing he, he did he tell everybody. Yeah was this is going to be a very lengthy report. So this is no surprise. This is not like the, you know, the, the organization is burning to the ground based on this injury list right now. Uh, but it is concerning that their top two wideouts are out. Uh, they are very fortunate that they are playing these two games back-to-back compared to what they have coming up uh, in back-to-back games at home with Kansas City and with Buffalo. Then, then you're starting to talk about uh, – sizing things up and trying to measure up to playoff caliber teams. These are two scrub teams in the NFL. And, Paul, you're going to hate that I put this out there. They should destroy the Jets this week. This game game should be 2008 Thanksgiving Day at Detroit level destruction. Oh, I I totally agree with you. It should be. But this team hasn't shown us anything about – turkey dance. They haven't shown us anything about their capacity to make it so because the Colts game should also have – been put out of hand the, uh, by the middle of the second half. And their it was talk not. all offseason has shown me that they should go to New York and dominate terrible teams. I mean, Ro- Roger Saffold on day one of camp talked about their swagger. I mean, they should go up there and slap them around. Let's just be honest about it. All this talk about, oh, and any given Sunday is BS for the best teams in the league. It is straight BS. That, that's just how good teams in this league treat teams like the Jets. It needs to be a fun Let's Sunday. See that, this that's, is that's where you're going up there to have fun. They are playing the Vanderbilt of the NFL this week. We should have no questions about Jeremy McNichols playing when he's on the field. They have nine. Week. The Jets have nine starters across both sides of the football who are rookies. They're starting nine rookies of their 22 starters. And their best defensive player just now released. He's out. Marcus May at safety. And uh, it's Elijah, not playing in this game. Elijah Moore uh, with a concussion is out of practice. So I he's, mean, it's he's it's a nine. it's a minor league team. They're no. playing. This is it's I mean, not no, it's, it's I mean, not it's a, really it's an NFL level, quality it's, team. It's a pro level team, Chad. But they are extremely young and they're in rebuild mode. And meanwhile, the Titans have been building to this year. There is a seesaw effect that's not going back and forth in this game. And the Titans haven't taken the ball away. This should cure that too, because it's a. A rookie quarterback who's thrown his share of interceptions. Titans are looking for David Quesenberry not to be their leader in forced fumbles, which Grable has referred to twice now with the media. Kind of joking, but kind of challenging his defense to, hey, go take that away from the right tackle who shouldn't be the guy that we're having at the top of that column. This is me giving credit to the Titans organization and their roster by saying all this. Yeah. 
I'm not treating them like the high. culture. They said of the their expectations should be high. Yeah, and, and so they're they're going to hate this. That oh, you know, it, you're not respectful of the the NFL and opponent week to week. I'm not with this team, and I'm not with Jacksonville. I'm, I'm being respectful to the Titans that should go up there and slap them around. Like that's well, the, that's the hashtag: slap them around. And the Titans should treat these teams with disrespect. And yes. how they beat them. In-house, at least. They're not going to do it publicly. Nobody does it publicly. No. Well, Vrabel's talking up, this is going to be the best defensive front we've faced all year. Like, Here's what he does with the first question on Wednesday. You have the best running back in football. He does this predictably on the first question about the opponent on Wednesday. Uh, he's asked about somebody specific, and he then answers about the entire unit, naming virtually every starter on that unit. So he ran through the defensive front, and then he went into the linebackers and the secondary, and he sh- – he shows that he knows everybody. He lists right. them by name, and that's the way most coaches do it now uh, to show, you know, perfect respect. We're not giving you any bulletin board material. That, oh, I'm fine those with days that. are over. I'm fine yeah. with that. Yeah. But, but that's all that was. But the this whole, well, we're buying into the fact that they're really banged up and, you know, oh, that the Jets are going to, you know, they're going to throw to the tackle eligible tight end or whatever, you know. It just none of that none of that flies with me this week. This is a win. This is a gift. Receive it. Receive like, it. Like playing the Orioles late in the season. Receive that gift. Yes. It's there well, for the Red Sox. The Jets are the Orioles. The right Red Sox now. did get on not the flight back from New York and eat your parts? fillet and prepare for the Jags. That's I mean, that's and celebrate the destruction. This is a stat stuffing week. You can get bonus money off this week. Let my weekend let my weekend be about seeing my parents for the first time since June of 2019. Outkick 360 rolls on after this. Uh, Gill in Nashville, Nash Gill on Twitter at Outkick 360 is where you can find us. He says, "I get that injuries happen, but with all the soft tissue injuries right now, when do we start questioning strength and conditioning?" Never. I, people always want to go to the, the strength and conditioning coach. Nobody ever went to the strength and conditioning coach when the Titans had a couple very healthy seasons. It, it just happens. I mean, and Julio it's Jones also is also very predictable, according to Fisher. Right. And it's happening all over the league. We've, we've seen a, a bunch of them all over the league. So, I mean, it's just the nature. Is there another of, team with their top the two beast. receivers that have hamstring oh, pulls? I remember you asking uh, Munchak and, and Malarkey about hamstring pulls all the time. Course of over the course of camp, about rookies coming in and getting hurt. Yeah, and, and about their their procedure for it. But it's it's not a. I mean, the Titans have been relatively over the course of the last two regimes healthy. Uh, last year was a bad uh, a, a bad health year. But even some of the injuries that they suffer, Lawan tearing an ACL and being out for the year is is an exception. Most of their injuries are out for a while and back. Yeah. They yeah. wind up last year was a bad year, but generally this is a pretty healthy team if you want to look at at some of the teams that really get devastated by injuries. And and I I think there have been some examples San Diego when they were San Diego like consistently had like massive problems that really did seem like <laughs> They weren't finding solutions, and they got outdated. And when Rustin Webster made a change here to Todd Torricelli, that seemed like uh, universally when I checked into that, it was hailed as kind of an update on the medical science modernization here that got the Titans kind of up to speed with where they needed to be. But I just think it's very much a very easy thing as soon as there are a couple strains to say the strength and conditioning department is doing it wrong. 
Well, it's it's a stretch to say that it's all on the strength and conditioning coach, but strength and conditioning coaches are hired and fired all over the place. For a, it's not it's not a non-factor. I mean, you have to be a, you have to always evaluate everything, and soft tissue injuries are avoidable. They they really are. It's the one thing that is avoidable. You can't help an ACL tear, broken bones, someone rolling up on your leg. Things like that are going to happen. And yes, soft tissue injuries are going to happen. But it's the one thing that with preparation and proper preparation, you can help to avoid. So I'm okay with, hey, what what are we doing to get everyone ready to go to prevent some of this? But I think you're also right, Paul. You can't immediately go to... Well, now it's time to fire the string and conditioning coach because people are pulling muscles. But also, if you look at the guys that didn't practice today, if A.J. Brown and Julio Jones played two different positions, we wouldn't be having this conversation. The other guys on the list, it's a knee for yeah. Dupree coming off ACL. It's a shoulder for Farley, which is a mystery to us, but that's not the same kind of thing. It's a toe for Lawan. It's a knee for Murchison. There's no plague of soft tissue injuries on that list as far as we could tell and if Julio Jones was a linebacker instead of a wide receiver you'd have two guys at two different positions with hamstrings and we wouldn't the question wouldn't be posed well the only uh, obvious second guess is Julio Jones didn't really practice in the preseason so just like in the first game he looked and like a guy who hadn't practiced either, really and, and A.J. Brown didn't much so I mean if you want to come back and say the you look at the lack of uh, preseason reps, and now you get in this point in the season. This well, is where things start to happen. That's the one area where, as a coaching staff, you could go back and say, now, it's not about preseason game reps, but practice reps. Are we doing enough to get guys accommodated to the sudden movements, the go route they're going to have to go on where they kick it into a different gear? That's where hamstring pulls usually have- happen. Are we doing enough to get them ready? We also have two guys camp. there who have had a lot of stuff. AJ Brown, I mean, Julio Jones is an old guy who came right. here with the history. AJ Brown's had a lot of stuff. He played through some serious well, stuff last year and was very productive, but he, beyond the knees, had stuff. He's got stuff now. Well, and that's part of, and I don't know why Brabel was slamming doors and all that stuff in the postgame presser when he was clearly happy with the postgame speech. Um, it, it, my guess would be it has to do with the frustration of the turnovers. C- How was the speech? Was it a good speech? It was great. Yeah, it was in a great mood. Uh, compounded with uh, – he was talking about all the guys who had to step up. And I'm, I'm sure the frustration is the turnovers and how they won the game despite losing the turnover battle by three. Very Jekyll and Hyde. On top of the injury situation. And I think, Chad, to your point, it's not as though they didn't want to practice them in the preseason or training camp. I just don't – I don't think they were ready to go. And I think the frustration is – this is why we needed them out there in training camp and we didn't have the opportunity. We were set up for this and what happened today yeah. with a soft tissue injury. It's bound to happen if you're not working in the preseason at the skilled positions. Well, is Bra- there something Brable about is, how they come in from, from the offseason? You know, he, he talks well, too about Well, but AJ already had the pre-existing knee and then you're going to slow play Julio whenever he tweaks summer. something early. Something clearly happened to him. He practiced for the first part. I think it's the player's preference. I mean, I I think that they're – look, you're going to get different liberties when you're a star player versus a guy trying to make the roster. And I think a lot of this is just player preference. They don't want to practice when they don't have to. They they feel like they can keep their body ready to go on Sundays. But on top of it, Chad, they have Marcus Johnson who goes to IR to begin the season after having a really good camp. 
and you have Josh Reynolds, who's a complete non-factor and a zero right now. Well, at some point, you got to make players do something they don't want to do, and that's the balance. And he, you want to be a player-friendly coach, but you got to make them do stuff they don't want to do. Also, he's doing that. Is Josh Reynolds, Josh Reynolds playing? Yes or no? He's got to, right? Got to. Stat stuffing season for Josh Reynolds against the Jets. Here we go. We talk about the SEC big game week next on Outkick 360.